0: Hey everybody, it's Maddie C. Welcome back to the What Am I Making podcast. It is really wonderful to have you here. On today's episode, I get to introduce you to my friend and my brother in art and in life, Chad Patterson. This is not an interview. Let's get into it. Here we go. It's Maddie C. Thanks for being back here. Welcome to the What Am I Making podcast. It's really wonderful to have you here. Um, I really appreciate you pushing play on this and being a part of our community. If this is your first time here, welcome. If this is your eighth time here or maybe more, you've listened to more of these uh, than there actually are. I don't know how that's possible, or maybe you've listened to them three or four times. I hope you're getting a lot out of them. If you're doing that, cool. Uh, But regardless, whether you're a a veteran or a first-time listener, uh, it's great to have you here. Thanks so much for your support. And your encouragement um so I put a thing up last Monday as a part of my talk with John Carroll, which uh, again, how great was that? Make sure you go tell John uh, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram how uh how awesome he is because what a fun chat that was, and I have another one for you today that 's a little different and a little weird, but I think it's going to be fun, and I think you're going to like it. Um, and uh, we'll get to that in a minute. So a uh, couple of pieces of business. Number one, uh, last week I announced that uh, for April I wanted to do a new subscriber push, and I wanted to get to 50 paid subscribers by May 1st and 500 free subscribers. And at that at that point when I mentioned this uh, a week ago, uh, we had 349 free subscribers and 20 paid. I know we've had a couple of paid subscribers jump on, and I've seen a couple of free subscriptions come in, I think, regardless all I did to push this thing out last week was to mention it on the pod, and I had this whole plan that I was gonna I was gonna unveil through the week and I was gonna put up charts and graphs and all kinds of fun stuff. And on Monday afternoon, my basement flooded. and for the next two and a half days, my world kind of got turned upside down through that and um, uh, a snafu with a car repair some other, uh, financial, you know, repair related challenges and sort of feeling like everything needed to be fixed. Everything needed to be kind of kept in the air and kept spinning. And, you know, we're all very familiar with those days. And I, I had a a stretch of three or four days where I really let that and some stuff that had happened the week before really get the better of me. And I lost some time this past week and I'm not really proud of that, but I'm also not so ashamed of it that I'm not going to share it with you. Um, a lot of you have been really kind and and really um, generous about the way that I've talked about my struggles with mental health and that you've said things like, wow, Matt, you're being really brave. And I appreciate that. And I suppose it does take some, some form of bravery. It also takes reaching a point where you just don't want to pretend anymore. And I don't want people to feel the way that I feel and have felt throughout my life. And so if there's something that I can do as sort of sharing my story Great. If not, if nothing else, maybe it's a way for me to understand my own journey better and maybe for you to understand yours or somebody in your life. Speaking of which, I was really super proud of the piece I put out last Wednesday uh, talking about uh, the scene in Jaws where Quint talks about the sinking of the USS Indianapolis and then the subsequent shark attacks, which is my favorite scene from that movie and my favorite scene from the entire Spiel- Spielberg canon. But I also laid out a case why it's a really great metaphor for how mental health challenges can attack some of us in the same way that that Quentin lays out that story in sort of brief but beautiful, harrowing detail. Uh, So please go check that out over at whatamimaking.substack.com. Again, I I am going to do a push this week about the subscribers, but again, if you are listening and you have not subscribed to the actual Substack, please go do that. You can do it for free. You don't miss out on anything right now. While... Paid subscriptions are certainly a priority. The first thing I want to do is get you here, and then you can decide whether or not this is something you want to invest in, and if this is part of a community you want to build together and you want to put some dollars behind. But if you've already found us, and you're enjoying it, and you feel like you want to support us, and you keep meaning to do it, now would be a great time to do that. Please go over to whatamimaking.substack.com. You can become a monthly a yearly, or a founding member, and of course, that, that free subscription is still there, and you will have access to everything, but the big thing is, I can't keep making this show without your support, so I really need your help. Please go over there and check it out. Please go over there and read some stuff. I think there's some really great things there. I'm really proud of it, but I also need your help to keep this uh, ship afloat, uh, if you will, So, uh, which is a rather odd metaphor, considering I just likened mental illness to a shipwreck, so it's very strange the way I'm, I'm kind of mixing all of this around, Um the uh, stick arounds my uh my little band out there my my little band they're not my band they're a band i'm in with four of my very best friends uh we have some dates coming up in april may and june uh it's just kind of smattering of dates across the midwest i think it's mostly michigan and illinois right now but there might be some other stuff popping up so just be sure to kind of keep an eye on that go over to phono 4 tour and you can find that also uh if you didn't get the memo. I'm going out on a big house show this uh, house show tour this summer. I'm going to be out for uh, like two and a half weeks, and I'm going to be going all over the eastern half of the U.S. Go to Fona4Records.com slash house shows and get all the details. If I'm going to be in your neighborhood, keep an eye out for tickets. If I'm going to be in your neighborhood and there's a list of cities up there that I still need hosts for, several of them in the southeast, please. Atlanta, Athens, Georgia, North Carolina. Where are you, baby? Come talk to Matty C. I just need somebody to get me a few friends and a and a place to throw a show like we're the Little Rascals. It'll be a blast. H- hit me up. I want to I wanna do this. I want to come see you. It's going to be fun. Let's get to my interview. Um, Chad Patterson is more than just a friend. He is the best kind of friend and the best kind of family. He is the chosen sort. Chad and I collided into each other's lives just after high school in the halls of the theater department at Lansing Community College. Our paths to the same spot on the planet at that moment were mirrored in several ways. For us, sports and pop culture, specifically movies at an early age, drove both our curiosity and our fascinations as well as, early on, our understanding of the world around us. We both had a tendency to use our razor-sharp wit, thinking on our feet and our flair for performance, as a preferred method of conflict resolution or a way to win over an opponent. Somehow, those two misguided, naive young men standing in those halls in the intervening 30 some years have become fathers, husbands, uncles, business owners, mentors, educators. Chad has two children, Seth and Del, that are both pursuing careers and artistic pursuits that are a direct reflection of the way that Chad has led his life in the way he has exampled it for his family. Seth is currently in residency at the Florida Repertory Theater Company, and Dell is enmeshed in the local media arts and technology program near the end of his high school work with an eye towards a career in editing and working behind the scenes in films. Chad's wife, Lori, who I, oddly enough, went to high school with, has taught elementary school in Grayling for nearly 30 years. The Pattersons are, in short, the kind of family you need and want in your community. They are your community. But Chad's also spent his life and his career literally living and working on the front lines of art and education. And he's been doing that for more than a quarter of a century. For 20 years, Chad owned and operated the Acting Up Theater Company in northern Michigan. With that company, during the school year, every week, Chad and his co-star would go to a new school and work in elementary classrooms across the state on week-long residencies. Over the course of five school days, Chad and his co-star-slash-teaching assistant would work with the teacher and the kids in the class to write, stage, costume, and dress a full one-act play based on a moment or a lesson from Michigan history. Each summer, the Acting Up team would then custom-write a show tailor-made for that year's summer reading program, all across the state's library system. Over the course of a program's two-decade run, Chad brought live theater and arts education to tens of thousands of students in hundreds of communities across our state. Chad was even fortunate enough to do this job for at least one full summer with each of his sons, teaching, writing, and starring with them on the library tour. Chad's also the longtime theater director for Grayling's High School Theater Productions and Program. He's worked in a variety of roles, working in student development and accessibility for the last several years in the school system. Chad is also the voice of the Grayling Vikings high school football team and its boys and girls basketball broad- broadcasts on Grayling's Q100FM. This past February, Chad left his position at the high school to take on a new role of becoming the morning show host at Q100 every weekday. And did I mention that Chad had never, ever done radio before he was asked to do games just a few years ago? Yes, and. You can't interview your best friend of 30-plus years and pretend you're going to be anything close to objective. The tightness of a relationship like that manages to tug constantly at the typical stitching of an interview. Inherently, there's a... Typical comfort that exists between an interview and a subject that know little or nothing about each other. The back and forth of their relationship has very clear boundaries. The interview will have a clear beginning and an end. More importantly, while each interview experience is unique in its own way, they all conform more or less to the same sets of strictures. And in that sense, what you're about to hear is not in any way a good interview. Once the threshold of intimacy between two parties has been breached, especially over an extended period of time, enough walls have been walked away that you find yourself with more answers than you have questions between those two people. And the fewer discoveries and secrets that there might be left to unearth, the more difficult it is to maintain the rhythms of a typical interview. In reality, I'm probably the very worst person to interview my brother, Chad Patterson. But what I can do is show him to you in a way that no one else can. So before you dive into what Chad does and why it's worth knowing about, I just want you to know what he's like. He's a really good dude. He's funny and clever. And he's filled with self-doubt. And he's so very worried and excited for his kids that it drives him nuts. So this isn't an interview so much as it is... Two brothers having a conversation while other people listen in. I hope in some small way we can convey just how deeply we care about each other and how the intentionality of our love for each other is at the center of our daily lives. Our relationship is special because we share a deep connection, but that connection has been fostered with work and maintenance over a lifetime. And when you hear those two people talking to each other in a minute, what you're going to hear is complete and absolute trust. And that is a much more rare commodity than we might realize in this day and age. One of my mantras here is that of all the best things in my life that I have that I am not directly related to by blood came from chasing down the passion of cool shit. That's what I was doing when I first met Chad Patterson when I was not quite 19 years old. I was terrified of the present, the future. I was lost unfocused, in dealing with a host of undiagnosed mental health conditions. I had largely chosen theater because it seemed like the closest thing to a career I could imagine that seemed like it would still be fun. I thought maybe I'd find a path. I didn't. But I found Chad. And he found me. And that's a whole lot more than I ever should have gotten out of the deal. I hope somewhere, sometime, you all had a friend like this in your lives. I feel so grateful that he is in mine, and that I have this interview to prove it to you. And now, he's a part of your life too. So here's a talk, not an interview, with my very dear friend, Chad Patterson. of the way that we met each other and the things that we bonded over and the different experiences that we had, I'm curious now when you talk to people, of, like if people were to ask how we met each other and what that relationship sort of turned into and how that happened, like in a nutshell, like what, what would you say? Like how would you describe that in terms of where we were as different people Met at this spot and then somehow became essentially family for the next 30 plus years.
1: Uh, I think, well, I mean, obviously, we met, I mean, we are both doing theater at college. Um, I think that we probably bonded more over uh sports and movies at first than anything else, I think, uh, more so than music. Sure, um, yeah. I, I I think that we uh, initially, um, you know, obviously, I can't remember exactly what it was. But I I knew that you spoke when people know about sports, um, there's a certain shorthand that, you know, like you recognized in that other person right away. And you're like, oh, this this person knows exactly. Oh, I found another nerd, you know. (laughs) And um, oh, he's and not only does he know, you know, the third tight end on the you know Detroit Lions, (laughs) Detroit Lions roster, but he also knows, you know, the um, the fourth male lead in you know Stand By Me's real name, you know, or whatever, you know. So it's, you know, like I think. Uh, I grew up, you know, with that, uh, deep knowledge of those things and, uh, you know, naming all the movies, naming all the players, knowing all the numbers of all the, um, you know, uh, whether it was the 1980 Detroit lions or the 84 tigers or whatever. I mean, it was like, uh, knowing the entire roster of the Michigan state Spartan basketball team, uh, in 1979, um, you know, those are things that you find in a person and you're like, holy shit, you know. And then I think, too, is that I always had a uh, curiosity and a capacity to learn from my friends. And um,
0: do you think that came like, from having almost exclusively older siblings that were influential to you?
1: Yes, because I um, I absolutely do, because I think that uh, I wanted I wanted to be different from them very different, badly. Different from um, your siblings. From my siblings because I, I, I wanted to um, – I wanted something – I wanted my own identity, I guess. And I didn't just want to be this this copy of my brothers or this copy of my sister. I wanted to have my own thing and do my own thing. And that's what – that's a lot of what theater was. When I found theater, I was like, oh – they are they're all scared to death to do this They're they none of them would get out stage was there none a of lot of uh
0: was there a lot of like negative feedback from them like in being like taunted or kind of made fun of or like they gave you shit for it
1: because oh, they didn't understand it? yeah oh no no okay. they were um i think i think it's a and i've said this to my own kids too i think that when you're when you're kind of a a wimp like i am i would never get in a fight or anything um and i'm not a tough guy uh but my my superpower is the idea that i can stand on a stage in front of anybody and do anything right and that right there will give you a lot of power over bullies that'll give you a lot of power over Um, a lot of people because they're scared. They're scared to death to do it. So there's kind of an instant respect there because you're not scared to raise your hand and speak up in class. You're not scared to get up in front of anybody and do anything. Um, You grab a microphone and say whatever into it. And, um, you know, that's, you know, we, we all know about bullies and how insecure they are. Um, I never had a problem with bullies because they were like, holy shit, that guy does, <laughs> does
0: not something like, I would never Not do, to like so. dive too deep and psychoanalyze, but do you think that's because largely you had many of the same insecurities?
1: Oh, probably. I mean, I'm. i
0: That you just think that, that instead of going, okay, I'm going to be an aggressive asshole about it, it was, okay, I'm just going to get attention. That's going to be my defense mechanism.
1: Yeah, I would absolutely say that. I mean, um, because that was. Uh, it's also a, it's also a sense of control, right? So if I'm out in front of, if I'm out in front of 200 people and I have the mic in my hand, or I have the spotlight on me, I'm in control of that situation. I'm much more comfortable in front of 200 people than I am two people, you know? So it's, uh, you you know, I think it is. Do you think that's because,
0: do you think that's because you understand the rules of that better?
1: Oh yeah. Oh, Absolutely. You know, it's, it's a, um, you know, I, I just, I just have to be entertaining. I just have to keep the ball rolling. I just have to, you know, and if I do that, then, then I'm okay. And I'm, I'm in control of the the narrative, the conversation right now. Like, I don't, I don't have to worry about looking dumb because, um, that's part of my deal. I can look dumb and it'll come off as self-deprecating or it will be you know, and and uh I can So in get, that respect
0: there's a safety net to it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um you were talking about you were talking about sort of that, that connection of like using the shorthand for for sports and whatever it was we were talking about in that moment that sort of made you realize that. Um I think as I've gotten older I've realized that that there's a real benefit to this like bonding over nerdery and I don't just mean like oh we both enjoy that thing like I think there's like a secondary level it has to reach where it gets like to a new level of meaning and I'm I, I'm struggling to find a, a good way to explain it but like uh, uh, our, our mutual friend Jeffrey Gower who we've known for a long time one of the first times he came to the cabin I had known Jeff a little bit and I was comfortable enough to have him there for like a long weekend and hang out but like I didn't I didn't know Jeff and, and as you are well aware, Jeff is a person who, when you're first getting to know him can be a little challenging to read. Yeah. Um, and we were hanging out one Sunday afternoon. It was just me and our friend Todd and, and, and Jeff. And we were looking for something cause it was a rainy afternoon. We were looking for something on TV and it was, you know, when the, the TV had to switch it all around between like the cable and the antenna and the thing. And so we finally got it working. It took like a half an hour. And the first thing we were able to find was sunset Boulevard which is a movie that I grew up, I grew up worshiping and most people, my age, if they knew it sort of knew it as a punchline to a joke, right? They didn't yeah. really know it or love it as a film. They were just aware of it as a thing. And that's not bad. And now I was in a room with, with two people and I didn't know what they were going to think of it. And I was pretty sure Todd liked it. Cause I thought Todd and I had talked about it. Cause when Todd and I first met pretty much, if we weren't talking about Wilco and Sunvolt, we were talking about movies and, I didn't know what Jeff's thing was going to be. And for those of you who have seen it, it's the scene where Gloria Swanson takes William Holden to go buy all the clothes when she realizes he's going to stay with him, stay with her long-term. And they're checking out these coats and there's like camel's hair and tweed and all this stuff. And then there's this Vicuna, which is really, really expensive and it's the most expensive thing. And the salesman leans over and whispers into William Holden's ear. Well, if the lady's paying, why not get the Vicuna? (laughs) And and as this guy says this, Jeffrey Gower says the line along with him. And I get goosebumps on my arm and I went, he gets to come in the inner circle. Like (laughs) like that was all it took. Like that was the passport into like the next level was like, okay, you've passed customs. You can come on into the second level. You know, like, I just love that. I love that idea that, something that simple and seemingly trivial can be enough to create a spark between two different people who maybe haven't found another reason to connect yet.
1: Well, and that's, that's it too. Like I'm, I I realize that um, I'm like that about all my friends, Um, you know, all the friends that I've had for 30 years, you know, it's because we speak the same language. We have stuff like that. Um, we have uh, movie lines and song lyrics and just um, bands that, you know, um, people have never heard of that uh, we all share, that we all love. Um, it, don't get me wrong. I'm also friends with uh, people that <laughs> that don't have that nerdery, but the, but they do have some sort of nerdery. You know, um, I'm thinking of the guy that I sports cast with. You yeah. know, like he doesn't you know, he doesn't like the same movies that I do. He doesn't like the same music that I do, but um, we can sit there and name the entire roster by number of the 1982 San Francisco 49ers. And that is, that's a level of nerdery that, you know, like uh, the fact that we both know that Ray Wershing was the kicker for that, team, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it's, it, uh, and he wore any wore number 14 and it was you know and he had a mustache and the, see, like, okay, all see, of this is stuff, where it gets
0: to a level where like i'm like okay i'm out i'm tapping out i'm done yeah and i'm done and we've reached we've reached the level where like maddie c wants to get off and find where the pool bar <laughs> is like i'm i'm, I'm out um, but but
1: me and me and scott could be like that forever and so it's it's like you've you've found this you know island of misfit toys that yeah. you you realize oh my gosh there's more of me you know around and you hope and, that and, like i mean know. i feel
0: like you and i've been very fortunate with our circle of friends and the people that we knew and it's it's you know it's obviously it's little pods of sort of circles of friends but we're very very fortunate in that we have kind of a really large friend network that's very vast both in terms of its uh you know demographic makeup as well as you know locale we've got people all over the country literally that that we that we have as friends that we could rely on or reach out to we, I don't think most people are as fortunate as we are um no. and i think I think a lot of that to be honest with you is just work it's just it's just saying it this is a priority I'm going to foster these relationships um you know it's really easy for us to joke around and go well it, you know it, it's 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 work for my mental health to go to the cabin four times a year and drink for four straight like <laughs> but, but in reality it's mostly true, right? Yeah. Like, because we choose to do that and we all basically say, look, I, I'm i going to have to move some things around to make this work, but most of the time we do it. And it's that kind of level of intention and deliberation and purpose that keeps us going and lets us go three, four, five times a year. And what that does is, even if it's for 24 hours, it gives you a real human connection with somebody that is less... Obscured by distraction and obligation, and notification and bullshit, and just noise, and you can sit there in front of this not impressive, tiny little lake, and yet watch the most spectacular sunset you will ever see.
1: Uh, Absolutely, with with some of the best
0: people in your life, and have a beer in your hand, and go, okay, this is this is why this is this is why I'm on the merry-go-round, right? This is so. So you do need it for your mental health. And I think that a lot of people either haven't realized that or haven't prioritized it enough. And I think the thing that you and I have going for each other and for ourselves is that we have friends that now rely upon that too. And so you'll get messages from them going, hey, when are we going back? So now all of a sudden, even if I'm in a shitty place or I'm too busy or I don't need it, like let's say things are going really well and I'm like, "I I could put that off for a quarter. Somebody else needs it. And so my job is to go there and to commit myself to that because it's not it's not just there for my reward; it's there for the community. And I, what I worry about is that there are dudes out there our age who either just don't have that inherently because it's hard to find, especially in a world where we're working from home more and everything's done remotely. Um, and you and I are at an age where we don't have kids in a school system, by and large. And you're at the end of that. Yeah. You know, pretty soon you know when you don't have kids in the school system your your connection with them and the way the world is changes it doesn't get better or worse but it's different and that will change the way that you interact with other people your age in your town and if you're really like if you've got a kid who's really involved in athletics i think for some dads that can be a really difficult transition oh yeah absolutely you know, you know they can they can they can lose they don't just lose the connection with their kid. They lose the connection with these other people, this other community. The and I, community, think some, yeah. you know, I think some of them find a way to do that. But like, I guess that's one of the things I, as I'm working on all of this stuff, that's one of the things I've been kind of worried about is like, we're losing these, I don't know if you want to call them third spaces or whatever, but like, it isn't just that people aren't going to church as much and say what you will about that. But uh, like, you know, involvement in community groups like lions club or the rotary, those things are down um people are you know i mean we were joking around the other day on the way back from the stick arounds gig i don't even know anybody who's in a bowling league anymore you know <laughs> 20 20 years ago it's, I i could have told you half a dozen people and i would have been like oh yeah it's tuesday night you know like
1: it's no big, one, it's big in high school no it's as high a, school as a sport, bowling leagues are huge yeah that's awesome
0: yeah. yeah it's big i love it um and i love bowling but like i guess what i'm saying is i don't think there's a lot of I think it's really easy to separate yourself and I think, that, I think that it's more difficult than ever to be sort of a middle-aged adult trying to go out there and sort of maintain, you know, truly healthy friendships and relationships that are vital for survival. And I think the, the only way that I think I've found to do that, and I, th- I think the same is true for you, is by just pursuing the creative stuff that was fascinating. And we got lucky and it took care of itself.
1: Yeah. Um, it, I watched my dad, um, my dad passed away last year and I watched his life and he had no friends, you know, like, and I'm not saying that in a a mean way or, or trying to be, um, morose about it or anything like that. But it, it, it was like, he made that choice, you know, and, and then watched him die alone. Well, yeah, I mean, he had his, he had, my stepmom, but that was his whole life, you know? And, um, I thought to myself and I love my wife and, and I love my kids, but I'm so glad that I have so much more than that. You know, that I have these, these rich, um, male relationships and female relationships, um, that are, um, not just with coworkers either. It's not just something where I come to work and I'm, I'm friends with them. Um, it's, it's, an extension of that. Like I have, I have friends that I've had for 30 years, uh, friends that are like brothers, friends that are like sisters. And, um, and hopefully, um, I'm maintaining those relationships. Hopefully I've maintained them through my golden years. Um, but, uh, I really, I mean, I mean it's, 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 it's
0: fun. I don't mean to cut you off, but like to, yeah. to say that, I really think like you say, you hope you can maintain it. I think the only thing you can control there is just be present. Yeah. You know, I mean, one of the things that uh, that that I <laughs> I'm really fascinated by is this idea of like how simple, like really like investing in somebody can be. Like something as simple as like going, okay, I'm gonna text this person every day for a week, make sure they're all right because I know they've been having a shitty time, and like after a while, that starts to feel good, whether it's doing any good on the other end of the line or not. It's like, oh, right. I'm doing – and it isn't that I'm doing something for you. It's that I'm doing something for myself. It's that I'm saying I, I want to make sure that you know that I'm engaged in your life. I'm reminding you of that. That's all I'm doing. Yep. And not putting any kind of pressure on that and then having the sort of the gratitude that comes with that of being able to send that message and say I'm here. Like that to Absolutely. me, uh, that is what love is, is just going, hey, don't forget I'm, I'm around you know, however, however that looks, that's love.
1: Just a quick joke, just a quick, you know, whatever it is. Um, Yeah. I mean, it, it is. Yeah. I mean, it's weird because like I have felt so guilty uh, this whole like couple of weeks where I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. I gotta get back. I gotta get back to Matt. I got to Not just you, but um, you know, my bro, my, my brother, you know, my brother's, you know, going through something where it's like, okay, I got to, I gotta get with him. And I talked to him for like an hour and a half the other night. And it was like you said, it's it's those, you know, fortifying, solidifying uh things that you have to do and and be present. And like you said, I mean you just have to um constantly uh keep in touch and uh it's uh you know, it's gardening, right? I mean it's you yeah, it's a great it's, way to put it's, it, yeah. It's uh Pulling the weeds and making sure that you're uh, maintaining and and uh, you know keeping uh, keeping healthy uh, healthy photosynthesis in
0: the, <laughs> in oh, see, the relationship. Yeah. Speaking, <laughs> of, speaking of weeds, you're getting into it with your little metaphor here. Um, one of the things, one of the things I'm really curious about as you sort of watch your kids. There, so you, like you said, your wife's not involved in in creative pursuits like like you are, and and I'm in the same situation. My wife isn't is not. A, a creative uh, well, like like, scrap, like side. scrapbooking.
1: I, scrapbooking is.
0: I don't mean to besmirch uh, the fine art of scrapbooking. Yeah. I, I just meant and that she's well, not a, she's not a performer, so to yeah, speak. Right, she's not right. Yeah, yeah.
1: but that um, is a lot of her a lot of her social outlet, though. Too is but, and again is that. But yeah, but yeah.
0: But the point is, she's got one. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh but my my question was she didn't go that way she chose to do like a like an activity which is awesome like a hobby essentially right right you know i mean and 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 in many respects what you and i have done for artistic pursuits are largely hobbies as well but my question is both of your kids seem to have veered very hard in the same direction as you um and i'm curious and obviously your wife is very supportive of that Mm -hmm. i'm curious why you think that happened
1: um you know like the the egotistical answer is um because they grew up seeing me have fun you know um they grew up they grew up with a dad who went to work and did children's theater uh, their entire childhoods and um and with for five years i did it with a guy that they both looked up to extremely you know um my my son, for better for worse, is uh my oldest son is is a carbon copy of Dean Gibbs. So, um, you know, but it was because, you know, at a very early age, um, you know, Dean basically lived at our house and and we did this job in which we um, you know, dressed up like animals and and uh in different characters and and knights and kings and um you know, and stuff like that. And, and we went and performed for, uh, little kids for a living. And, uh, and that was when they were both little kids and they, they got to see that. And, uh, they, and, and I preached to them that, you know, it's like, you know, you, you define your own success and don't let anybody define it for you. You know, do I make a lot of money doing this? No. But do I contribute to the, the income? Yes. And, well, For let me, let me part, I'm, and I'm happy just to stop
0: that. you right there because I want to I want to hammer home this point because I say this a lot in my life and on this show. And that is that you are creating your own definition of what wealth means. Mm-hmm. You're deciding that. And and I think I've said this to you before. Time is the only genuine wealth that any of us will ever have. Yep. Because everything else we consider to be a resource or that's valuable. Most of it we can regenerate. You can make more money. We can steal more money. We can print more money. I can sell stuff to go get money. There's nothing I can do to go get additional time.
1: No, it's gone. And yep. so
0: what I think is beautiful is the, where the next part of this story goes. After they see the example of you doing this, they see Dean as sort of their older brother, sort of, you know, figure. And then, and then you and your kids have an opportunity to do what with – with your business and, and, and teaching these like summer programs. Yeah.
1: Um, and yeah, they both had a chance to, to do it and, uh, they both enjoyed it. I think it's also, I think it was also a currency for them in a way. Um, they, they didn't, um, they were both very talented musically too. And they were both very, um, loud <laughs> and they could, both could sing uh, very well so they um, it was just kind of natural to um, fall into those things I mean it was uh, yeah I think I think they saw us um, having fun doing it and um, they realized very quickly in middle school and high school that um, that was kind of their social currency too it was to perform and uh and they were good at it you know and um well, they still
0: they still are to you know. be fair
1: yeah yeah they're they're good at it and, and uh you know and, and so um my youngest took a different i mean still does theater but um has different skills too and really wants to work uh in media uh really wants to work with uh with web media with uh film and editing and television and all that stuff so um, that's more of where Dell wants to go, where uh, Seth is uh, more of a singer and actor and dancer.
0: And currently making a living doing this.
1: Yeah, yes, yeah, just um, go- just just got his first lead, actually. And,
0: so. and I have not had an opportunity to talk to Seth since he got that gig, but my hunch would be yeah. that based on uh, knowing mm-hmm. him as a as the young man that he is and knowing you, that he very much sees this not as like a, okay, well, this is just the first step on the stone. This is like, okay, this is an opportunity for me to like truly make a life in art. Like Chad, you, you could say I went like, you, you could say I moved up North and I spent X number of years. And what I did was I did X, Y, and Z and I went to schools and I did this. And like, we could, we could put it all out there and I will, I'll do the intro, but the truth of the matter is that you've, spent your creative career or your, your, your adult career in the arts. You've made a living, you've made a living in creative pursuits within months of, of arriving there, moving there, knowing no one. And you have since carved out nearly 30 years of your own ability to just do your thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those, uh, pinch me things all the time that, uh, I had a chance to do it. Um, I, I moved up here kicking and screaming and, um, absolutely did not want to live here. Uh, didn't think my life was going anywhere and, uh, through a lot of happenstance and, uh, just being, you know, right place, the right time of being the guy for that moment um you know uh just i just found it um and i didn't say i can't do that once you know like i i didn't and i don't mean that like refusing to do it i mean um i never looked at any challenge and said oh man that's gonna be hard or oh i can't do that or i you know like you didn't it was... you didn't put
0: up artificial roadblocks for yourself the, the one the one the way I put it recently was I was uh when when my mom and I went to Morocco in January, um we were we were on this tour and uh there was a group of twelve or thirteen of us and we were in this old um like school, this old uh, I think it's called a madrasa. I'm probably getting it wrong, but whatever. Um we were in this old uh this old Islamic study school, and we're standing there. And the guy's kind of telling us about how all this works. And then he goes upstairs and you go to the second floor and he's kind of been making fun of me for the the whole time we've been in this little palace thing, right? This little palace and school thing. And he says, oh, this is where the, this is where the dude, the main dude lives. And he has all these wives. And then like, I'm standing next to him. And because I'm with my mom, I don't have like an obvious spouse. And so he goes, I'm gonna make fun of this guy. And he's like, so you could have like 20 wives. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And everybody's like, you know, so, so long story short, I do this whole thing and there's this young woman there and uh, she and her partner are there from New York city. And uh, they're, they're, they're both actors and filmmakers. And she says, Matt, you were really good. You like, you like played along. She's like, I could tell that you, we talked and she's like, I could tell you had the theater thing. And I said, Laurie, I'm, I'm learning more and more that if I just approach life, like improv and just yes. And it's really just a lot more fun and a lot easier to get along. Like just yes. And you can, what's really interesting is you can say no and still yes. And it's fascinating. (laughs) Like you can go, sure. I'll play along with that and then not do what you expect me to do. Like there are ways to do that, you know? Uh, But, but the point is like, be willing, like what I, what I was saying to her in the moment was people open themselves up like that for a week at a time when they go on vacation, they go to Disney world or they go to Europe or they go to Morocco or wherever they go and they go, okay, I get to do this for 10 days. And then they go back to 50 weeks of shutting themselves off and saying, I can't do that. That's not for me. Oh, that one. Take something out that you do once a week that, that you're just doing because you do it and go try something yeah. new. Like just... Exactly. Honestly, flush some new shit into your system.
1: Yep. I agree. I mean, it's, it is it is a weird... Um, I was just talking to our, our our mutual friend, Josh, uh, the other day, I actually just texted him and, um, and, and this goes with what you're saying is what, what does it hurt? You know, because we're all faking it, right? (laughs) Like there was a, there was a time I've talked to, I talked to my um, coworkers about this today too. There was a time and I think the older that we get, the more I realize this is that, we we used to go, oh, oh, they have it under control. They know what they're doing. Right. It's good. Like when we were younger, we would look at the the adults or anybody that was older than us. I mean, even ten years older than us. Oh yeah. We we would be 30, we'd look at a 40 year old and go, Oh, they got this, they're experienced, they know what it is. They and know then what's when supposed you, to happen. And then when you start to realize you're like, Oh my god, they have no idea. You know, you'll have a you'll have a pe- you'll have people um, you know, uh working on your furnace and you're they're licensed, they're down there and you're like thinking, oh, okay, yeah, they got it. And then you realize, like, holy shit, I don't you like overhear their conversation or something with their coworker or they're on their phone and you're like, maybe they don't have it. Maybe they don't fucking know what's going on. You know, so so it's it's uh so what I'm saying about that about the radio job and about anything that I anything that I did in children's theater or whatever, it's like I might as well try it, you know, I might as well do it, because really, um, if I fail, I fail at this point, you know, I mean, why, why aren't we all writing novels right now and just sending them in going to shit? Okay, reject me. I don't care. You know, what, what is it? You know,
0: Chad, this is amazing. I had this conversation a few weeks ago with Maura Quint when she was on and we were talking, I was talking about how we had somehow come to the idea that we both realized as kids that we had this idea that adulthood was like a physical place almost like you were in a car and you were on your way to adulthood and you were going to get there and all the answers would be revealed. Like it was some secret library (laughs) where you were going to get to learn all the shit. And like, it never occurred to you that like, Hey, there is no rule book. The reason the world is so fucked up is because people don't know what they're doing. Nobody knows. And then you realize that like, Oh, all those moments where like I was filled with security and certainty and, and just, was convinced the world would never get in from the outside that like we were on the precipice of letting the world in from the outside because whoever the person in charge is, usually your parents in that moment of, of crisis hide the shit from you. Yeah. And then you turn around and what do you do? You do the same thing a different way with your own kids.
1: Yeah. That's what you do. <laughs>
0: and then- Oh, go ahead.
1: I think, I think, it, but I think I'm better about it. Than my parents were. I think my parents were like, like you just said, they hide it from you and they think they know what the hell they're talking about and everything else. And it's, um, I think, I think with my kids, I'm a little, at least a little bit better about saying, look, I don't,
0: I don't know. Well, you've you know, at least, um, first of all, I, you've got a leg up on our generation because at least you've acknowledged there's a problem. Yeah. Okay? Exactly. So our parents are like, it's it, like, I mean, I swear to God We might as well Like the generation X Might as well just be The laissez-faire generation Like <laughs> Like Like their whole philosophy With us was like We popped out And they went It'll be fine or it won't It's whatever It was like somehow Like for like 14 years Like Ann Rand was our mom Like collectively She was like You know what Fuck it Let's just see what happens here Cause I'm pretty sure there's rat poison In that peanut butter And I wanna see if he just gets sick Or is he gonna die Let's find out You know, like some weird fucked up Truman show or something. And yet, at the same time, like you look back and you go, those people, while they had to deal with fewer distractions, knew even less. Like I look at it from the standpoint of like all the things that I'm struggling with and that you struggle with both as a person, as a parent, and as a spouse. Think about all the stuff that you know right now about mental health that our parents did not know. Yeah, I'm a 50. I'm a nearly 51 year old dude who is less than a year into treatment for ADHD, even though I've had it my entire life, simply because of when I grew up. Yeah. Right. Yep. So there are there are trade-offs. and I'm not like trying to make some greatest generation thing, but like it's it is it is it is. I think what what I'm saying is that there is a. uh there's always going to be a new iteration of it, right? So we screwed our kids up in a different way, and they will in turn <laughs> screw their kids up in a different way. Um, I, what I think is fascinating in in being your friend and and being a parent and a middle aged dude at this point in time is that I feel like I feel like you and I and some other people we know have found this really wonderful balance between being parents and friends with our kids who are at an age of independence. And I'm wondering how if you've thought about that, how you feel about it and how you manage it.
1: Yeah. Um, I have thought about that. I thought that um there's there's almost a I don't know if, I know it's not true with your parents because I, I've seen you relate with your parents. Uh with my parents, there was a I there was like a give out at like at like twenty years old where it was like, <laughs> Okay, I'm you know, like, okay, I'm done. You know, like I don't I don't really You, have you made to... that
0: you made that call?
1: No, no. I'm talking about my parents kind of went, okay, oh, okay. Right, we brought you up. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like we don't really have to be friends. Right? <laughs> like like um, kind of like there, you know, you fall into a routine or I fell into a routine with my parents where it was like, and granted I had step parents and yeah, you know, there, there was a lot of, there there was a lot of that going on too. There's a lot of, a, a lot of uh, water under the bridge there. And, um, with, with my kid, you know, I'm thinking about where I was at 23, 24 with my parents and where, where Seth is at 24. And I'm thinking, man, I have this, just, I just have this great relationship with him, like, uh, this great friendship. And, um, I really feel like he and I relate on so many levels and we, we talk about, you know, we talk about heavy stuff and we have, we have a great sense of humor and a great camaraderie together and it's really, really cool. And I think I also have that with my sixteen-year-old. But with my sixteen-year-old, it's it is more combative um, at times. But it, I also think it's because he and I are just alike, <laughs> or, or um, yeah. so we're we're uh, really really alike. Um, and
0: and it's you know it's a it's a it's a it's a challenging thing because uh, Dell is in an unusual circumstance, a, a sort of a brief circumstance yeah. where. You know, Dell is the only child in the house Mm -hmm. for a a brief period of time, but um, doesn't get to have that sort of like senior year on campus moment where there's a freshman below him. So that's kind of a weird dynamic. So in a way, I I wonder, and I say this because I have, I don't think Hannah and I butt heads the way that you and Dell do, but when Hannah and I butt heads, it's for exactly the same reason. It's because we're the same person. Or at least in yeah. that respect, we're the same person, and so I totally get that. Uh, what I think is really interesting about that younger child dynamic um, with Dell and with Hannah is that that is as much about, at least in our case that I've seen, that is as much about saying, "Nope, you're not going to handle this the way you handled it with my sister." As it is, about, it's about it's about asserting. Yep, And some of it is self-discovery and some of it is just pushing the envelope and it's hard to know what's what. And none of it is like significant or difficult or aggressive. But like it is really interesting to see how that subtlety sort of plays out in big ways over time. And then you wind up having these two very, very great but slightly different ways languages with your kids. And you don't have that, you don't have that language with any other person in your entire life. No. And it's really kind of incredible
1: it you know, is it, it is and and I think you have to you have to keep yourself um I think one of the things that uh I hope that I do um in my head, I do, <laughs> but I'm not sure that that it comes through is that I'm as open to learning from them as they are from me, and I never had that with my parents, my parents you know it was just like we know what's best, we know what's right we're we're gonna say it, and that's it. And they were never going to learn anything from me. I wasn't going to be able to tell them anything, you know? Um, So it was, I think, or at least I felt that way. Maybe they, I don't know, maybe they did. Um, But uh, yeah. I do think there was a a
0: cultural shift in there somewhere between when we were kids and when we had kids where there was a, and, and maybe it happened like in the, Like, my sister's eight years younger than I am. Maybe it happened in her generation. Maybe it's a little bit more recent than that. But I feel like there's been a shift where, as kids are growing up, there is more of a – there's less of a warden and inmate relationship, which is often how I saw – even though I got along great with my parents, it was always that first, right? It was always authority figure and then something. I trusted them. I loved them. I felt safe. But my first instinct as a kid, right or wrong, was – don't get in trouble right
1: right right I,
0: I think now maybe not necessarily for better or for worse but i think now there's more of a sense of like we've we've built more trust into it as opposed to you know if i find we don't wait till your father gets home mentality basically to okay this is a problem we can work through this together to do we really talk about it you know like Is it all just we're going to be friends and we've lost all of that parental thing. I've seen some of that. You surely have seen some of that happening where people want to be friends with their kids more than parent them. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not, and I'm not, you know, trying to get into a thing about how to parent each, you know, but what I'm saying is it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fine line. It's a balancing act. It's difficult to negotiate. You want to be able to give yourself to them and say, this is this is the full me I love you. I'm sharing this with you. We can have a great time. I can still be upset with you and disappointed and and, yeah. and and you will know that I love you, but it's all about trust right
1: it is and it's and I think if you try to be your you know your your kid's friend and you're you know you're doing it almost like a uh Almost an icky way, like you're trying to be all cool and hip with them and you know you're trying to be like Amy puller's character and mean girls, you know you're like oh sure you're, you're trying to party with them or whatever and um y- you do sort of have to have that perfect uh blend of of being the parent and and caretaker and also um being friendly with them, you know like you can have a lot of the same interest and you can you can talk about movies and you can talk about whatever, but you also have to have, I I think I have that with Dell and with Seth where I I can also turn it on and go, Hey, you know, I I realized we're just screwing around a second ago, but seriously, get your head in the game. You know, like you are, yeah, you are, um, you know, this is, this is a serious thing, you know, stop feeling sorry for yourself. And, you know, um. Let's let's talk about this. Have and you let's also figure out done? Have you also through?
0: done the thing no. where culture winds up being the bandaid after a rift or a oh, absolutely? You know, and like you'll be sitting around and Always. um, I I wish I could remember the the circumstances of the of the argument, but it doesn't matter. Hannah and I had had gotten upset with each other over whatever, and I'm sure it was something stupid like oh. the dishes or whatever. And we both just kind of butted heads and got stubborn, and you know, we went to our corners or whatever, and we were both like being poopy for like half a day. Yeah. And Hannah's favorite show is uh, is Parks and Rec, and yep. uh, and so she's feeling she's feeling shitty, and so she went to the she went to the couch and she just started watching Parks and Rec. And I came out here and I'm working, I'm doing some stuff. I go back in a couple hours later, and one of our favorite episodes is on. And Ron had Ron had gone to a, a steakhouse that he loves, and it, he finds out that it's gone out of business. And He goes to a diner, and the the line is. Give me all the bacon and eggs that you have. And everybody knows a joke. But the point is, I walked through the living room at the perfect time to be able to out loud without even making eye contact with Hannah say, I want to make sure you heard what I said. Give me all the bacon and eggs that you have. And to hear her chuckle (laughs) out of the corner of my eye. I didn't even make eye contact. I didn't Mm -hmm. use that moment to go, hey, let's repair this. I went, this will be fine. And then you go on with your day. And then you come back to it later. And that is somehow the nudge or the eraser to the problem. And I just like to kind of bring it back around to finish this up like for me that like you and I found each other because we believed in movies and music and and the magic of things like baseball and uh and for some reason the Detroit Lions which I'll never understand why I did that to myself <laughs> um but uh but like you and I found each other that way you then found yourself that Thank way you. i found myself I really that way that's how your kids are finding themselves it it's largely how my kids are finding themselves it just feels so magical and i just i guess the last question i have for you is do you ever just like stop and think about the fact that it's it's literally like miraculous that you that you and i have this and that and that somehow it led to all of this like it's it's almost overwhelming in a way
1: it, it is, um, because it, it really, I think it all, um, I think of my friendship with you as being, um, the, uh, the, the, uh, what am I looking for? The nucleus of everything that, that blew up out of that. Is nucleus the right word? Sure. Um,
0: Fulcrum but, might like, be another one. We can but, help. Uh, but, there's probably some scientific linguists out there that can help us anyway.
1: But, but yeah, I mean, it's everything grew from there. Um, I think that I was in a place where I had left a small rural town, just like you did. Um, we came to Lansing and, um, you know we studied theater and and we met i think that you were kind of the the person that i needed to meet right at the right time where you opened my mind to a lot of different things um that i had never experienced before um uh, music um movies that were black and white you know were you know how how odd um but i just remember meeting you meeting your parents and and finding um feeling like I was home and feeling like, uh, feeling safe in that, um, in that warmth of, uh, and, and because I felt so safe and because I felt so warm, um, I opened myself up to all of those new opportunities, all of, uh, you know, foreign films and, uh, and music that I used to think was quote unquote gay. Um, you know, where, where if you went to, You know, if you went to a farm school like I did, you know, there was no way that you would be caught dead listening to uh, The Cure or uh, Depeche Mode or anything like that. And so um, when I realized you, you almost gave me permission to um, kind of shed all of that and really open myself up. And I think it made my, I think it made me a better actor. I think it made me more creative um, I think it made me more open to different experiences. Um, and yeah, it is miraculous. I mean, meeting you at just the right time. Um, and that led to, of course, um, not being afraid to meet other people and to, you know, open myself up to all of those new experiences. Um, really, you know, I mean, um, probably meeting you, meeting Mahoney at the right time, Um you know, meeting those people, yeah, um, and and just having, uh, being able to make that transition from good friends in high school to saying, oh, okay, I can have good friends in college too. Um, and I think
0: there are, I and, think that's just, a super interesting observation because I think there are people who kind of stop, right? And I don't mean that they do it intentionally or that they choose to, but they just especially once they're done with college, they go get a job and basically they sort of uh, engage in the relationships that come their way largely. And I think sometimes we don't necessarily recognize or we just, I guess what I'm saying is in the case of you and I, we lucked out. Like we just somehow cosmically we connected, but the thing we did because we didn't have anything else to do was we just hung out all the time. Yeah. Because we had nothing else to do. And so (laughs) In a way, um, we may we may have had a better shot because there was far fewer things to det- to distract us. You know, now two people might not have to connect that way. They wouldn't have to nope. just they wouldn't just have to drive around three nights a week listening to Nevermind, figuring out what the hell they were going to do on a Wednesday <laughs> night. Um, but like, I, so I guess what I'm saying is like, t- to me, it's it's incredible that not only that like you and I found each other in the same place and we're into the same stuff and wound up connected to each other, but literally became family with each other, like genuinely. And then from that came my kids and your kids and then all of these friendships that we have that filter in across, I don't even know how many communities, literally at least three physical communities. Yeah. I mean, Lance and Grayling in Chicago at a minimum and then we'll take it wherever from there. But like, that is... That literally is the 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 sum total reward of just two dudes who went, that seems like some cool shit. Let's go do that. Yeah. And I yep. think if there's anything that I can do, and God, I hope you too, can do or have done to tell people who think maybe they want to do something like this is do it. Because even if you don't ever hit record, even if you don't ever open up the, the, the curtain, you'll meet other people who want to do it. And that yeah, might that absolutely. might just give you like your best friend for your entire life. Because I don't know how this happened, but I'm really, really fucking happy I did.
1: I uh I know my life would be completely different um if I had never met you. Um I may not be married to who I'm married to. I'm um I probably can guarantee that. Uh I I probably wouldn't be the I wouldn't be the father that I am. I probably wouldn't have I wouldn't have taken nearly the risks that I did. And just to believe that I can do something, Um, do something like be a DJ at a radio station or, or run a theater company, a children's theater company, any of those things. So yeah. Yes. And
0: there he goes. My oldest and dearest friend, Mr. Chad Patterson. May we all have someone that amazing and supportive and encouraging and open and awesome in our lives. Thanks, Chad. I love you. Thank you so much for being here. Again, I can't do this without you. Uh, your support means the world to me, both in terms of your encouragement and your actual dollars that help put food on the table for me and my family. Uh, you can go over to Com and sign up for a free or, God willing, a paid subscription. Uh, I sure appreciate all of your support and your encouragement. I promise you I will be doing some more work about the subscriber push uh, coming soon. And there's a bunch of other fun stuff that I'm, I'm digging up in addition to doing the, uh, the Monday pod and the, uh, the Wednesday article. There's some more fun stuff coming st- coming soon. So please stay tuned. Thank you so much. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. And I'll see you next time. All the best. medicine and his ADHD K